What's up, podcast family? Thank you so much for dropping past my station. And I want to reshare some content that I posted on the Real Value Exchange podcast. So if you like what you're hearing here, make sure that you go check out the Real Value Exchange as well. Put a little more effort into those um, interview-based conversations that I'm having. Becoming a huge fan of the podcasting space. I just love what's happening here. It's a, it's a community in, in itself. And um, I think there's going to be a lot of great things to happen. So without further ado, let's get into the previous episode I shared on the Real Value Exchange, which you should already be subscribed to. And uh, let me know your thoughts. Feel free to check me out anywhere on all your major platforms at Joe Alex Lemon. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Real Value Exchange. I'm your host, Joe Lemon, and I'm going to give you guys one of my funnest conversations I had in a long time. So I've been podcasting for the past couple of years. You guys probably know this. Check in and out of the shows as they kind of get dripped out on a weekly basis. And this is a fun conversation I had with Pollyanna Reed. And so she's an author, a Forbes writer, and she's just she's just moving things up and shaking things around, man. And, you know, it was really fun talking to her. And I want to kind of run through some thoughts past you. So one major theme is that Nielsen ratings, you guys know Nielsen. Nielsen is known for being the company that calls around to people's house and runs surveys to figure out what TV shows people are watching. They also rate radio you know, hosts and radio stations because a lot of these times they're in that digital space where they don't have a lot of data that they can necessarily tap into. Like They don't really necessarily know how they know another OTT platforms or if you watch Facebook Live or YouTube exactly when people are watching or how long they're watching. So they're relying on other people to give them the honest feedback, to tell them what they're into. Um, well, they're doing that same surveys on podcasting because podcasting data has historically been trash. <laughs> like You don't know a lot besides the download. You don't really know how long people listen. You don't know what areas people tune out on. I mean, so there's a lot of missing pieces that you get from other digital spaces. The reason why that's important is because Big time advertisers like, you know, some of the direct to consumer brands out there that spend, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on advertising on a regular basis. Those guys look, for, they need the data so they can justify spending that amount of money, right? So they got to have this something to say, hey, we got some vanity metrics out there that justifies us dropping a million dollars on this, you know, advertising spot on the during the Super Bowl. Right. Because everyone in the whole U.S. is going to be watching and they look for the commercials. Right. They need that data. And so long story short, they're doing that now for podcasting. And I think this is going to open up a whole gang of opportunities about, you know, is how how is it going to look for medium to small size podcasters like myself? Because I don't get, you know, tons of downloads. Right. But I mean, I get a I get a I get a hefty, a hefty, a hefty couple hundred. You know, I get in that five to seven hundred range per episodes. And then that's nothing compared to the, you know, hundreds of thousands that, that Joe Rogan gets per every every episode that he does. And that's why he makes, you know, close to probably a million off of the advertisement dollars that he does per episode. So where does that leave the rest of the guys? Why should we even be in this space? What's the point? Well, there's a lot of reasons. One, I can tell you that the networking capabilities that happens off of just having something to offer someone like that thousand downloads, right? It matters because you're leading with something, especially if you are anywhere, if you are if you are involved of anything about growing your company or your brand or 
especially if you're on the marketing side, especially if you're in the business development uh, angles or any or any sales uh, functions of your business. If you're about growing your your business at all, I mean, being able to have a platform that provides value first is phenomenal. On top of that, being able to network with influencers in your space, this is where I think the middle is for everyone. <laughs> right? I mean, this is the this is the place where I think you know the other ninety nine percent of people are going to live because it's like blogging back in the day. There were a couple of blogs that made millions of dollars. Like they were able to to kind of run click through ads on them, Google Google uh, pay per click ads on them. They also had affiliate links, and that's how they made their money back in the day off the blogs. Fast forward in <laughs> 2020, where I see podcasting is going to take a very similar form, except the people that really also dominate on the blog space, where podcasting has more of a leg up, I would say, is they had people feature and ghostwrite on those blogs, similar to how my guest, uh, Pollyanna Reed, does, right? It's a nice it's a nice transition. What well, she does for Forbes, right? So she ghostwrites on Forbes. She writes for other blogs. And, you know, it's, it's a nice way to drive awareness to what you're doing. One, because search is becoming a big thing for podcasting, just as just as blogging was back in the day. Um, and then two, you get a chance to have a one on one conversation with the people that you want to do business with and talk about something other than just, you know, how great your business is. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways that uh, people are going to use this down the line. But I can tell you from personal experience and from interviewing people and having these conversations, people are getting into that five-figure type of amount of opportunity deals just from off of doing a couple of key podcasts. So it's a great strategy. If you don't want to have your own podcast, you just want to be featured on other people's podcasts. It's like being featured in the New York Times of some big podcasters. Or you can be featured in your, you know, regional trade magazine. Those also count, right, if you're doing local business. So that type of that type of angles work, as well as if you want to start your own Forbes magazine, which is you launching your own podcast. So with that said, guys, I don't want to belabor this actual um, point anymore. You guys go join a whole podcasting community that I have created for us. This is so we can easily find other podcasters, find other people to kind of feature on our actual podcast. Join the community by just filling out the quick two-second form at realvalue.exchange. That's realvalue.exchange. Go there, fill that out. We'll love to get you linked in with the community, feature you so that people can easily find you. Say what genre that you're in, what type of guest you're looking for, yada, yada, yada. And my whole approach with this is cutting out the middleman, right? Because it's one of the last places where creators can have control of their content. You have control over your website. You have control over your blog. You have control over your podcast audio content. You don't have control over YouTube. You don't have control over what you post on Facebook. So you can have hundreds of thousands or millions of, of followers. They turn that side off tomorrow. What? Who do you really have to kind of transition into whatever business opportunities or whatever thoughts or whatever things that you want to influence them on? It's gone unless you have that space under lock. So with that said, I, th I think you guys get what I'm up to. Join the community. There's ways that we can help each other out and profit off of us just kind of easily be able to expose people to what's going on in your space. And it's free. 
So enough plugging to what I'm up to. With that, let's get to the today's interview. Quick house business. I'm in Santa Monica today at the Spaces. So if you catch this on Thursday, November 7th, come on out to the Spaces. I'm interviewing. I'm doing a couple live podcast interviews on site. I'm really excited about doing this. It's going to start up around 5 o'clock. We have drinks. We have conversations. We have light grub. Don't come there so you can try to get fed. But come there so you can meet some people throughout L.A. With that said, guys, let's get into today's show. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to The Real Value Exchange. Man, I'm super geeked right now. I got somebody that just flew in. I mean, you've been here maybe two hours, maybe two yeah. hours. Been out two hours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's so, what's so cool about this, about this actual episode is the fact that I got somebody who wears multiple hats that's in motion, getting things done, figuring out as she goes, building as she's growing. And, um, I mean, you've done everything from uh, you're a co-founder of a company, mm-hmm. New Girl on the Block, Forbes magazine writer, ghost writer, story, t- you know, telling stories, author of a couple books. You're up to some stuff. I brought you some books today. Get out of here. We got gifts? Yeah. Hey, we got gifts. And <laughs> and we're back in the whole good news radio station here in, here out of L.A. So I'm really excited to actually have this. But most importantly, you had to push back this actual interview because you had to go to church first. I like that, yo. First and foremost, you know? I had to get my life together this morning. Hey, I respect that. I respect <laughs> that. Loves the Lord, but you also love trap music. Yeah, hey. you did your research. I'm definitely going to stop <laughs> people prior good. to us showing up here, right? So <laughs> I want to welcome to the pod, Pollyanna Reed. Yes. Damn. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. How you feeling? Are you fresh? Yeah, I feel good. I'm, the flight was five hours, so like that was annoying. Five hours is like my max. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sucks. But I feel good. I went to church and I got a good cry in. Okay. And I feel like you opened up at church too. Well, always. Well, I'm a preacher's kid, right? So yeah, like, okay. Like, and like all of my uncles are pastors, mm. and I come from a very like big church community back home. Mm-hmm. So like, it just it feels really cleansing when I can just like it's like a safe space. What. Well, Here's a great here's a great way for us to open up because I definitely want to talk about what you're up to, your business. And I want to learn some more about your backstory and everything. And but why do you think that you know women are so much more vulnerable in, at church? Because you know I've been going to church now for almost a decade. I'm kind of off and on right now. I, mean, I haven't been in about a month, but you know I'm not going to beat myself about that. But why do you think that women can go there and just be you know way more vulnerable? If I go to church with my wife, she'll drop a tear mm-hmm. at least a couple times a month. <laughs> you might catch me every other year. You know what I'm saying? If something's really going on, that, that's deep. Why do you think that but is? I'm naturally, I'm very sensitive and mm-hmm. overly emotional. Mm-hmm. So whether it's home, like I'll cry everywhere. It doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't have to be church. Um, but I think like when you can relate to preachers who have a special message that speaks to your heart, mm-hmm. um, you just can't help it. Mm-hmm. You just can't help it. Like today we were talking about... Um, just being grateful for what you have to make room for more. And um, oftentimes, you know, we forget. We get caught up and you get caught up in a lot of things, whether it's chasing money, whether it's chasing future partners, whether it's like whatever it is, right? And I think I had forgot, I hadn't been to church in a minute. Mm. Um, And like just being back there, it felt like home. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I, I wanted to pray for forgiveness because I knew that like God has blessed me so much and I wasn't doing my part. And mm. I really believe that blessings have requirements, and I was not fulfilling my requirement. So and you've been hustling though. Mm-hmm. You've been busy. 
Always. <laughs> Not busy, productive. Productive. People that's are a, busy being busy. Ooh. I don't fit into that category. Ooh, yeah. You know, you know what? All of a sudden, busy just sounded like, you know what I mean? Like a, <laughs> like a straight bad four-letter word. It was like... Yeah, but, but it's true, though, because a lot of people have a lot of movement. I see a lot of people posting 10 times a day, and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, what is this really leading to, though? <laughs> like, right. like, where are we going with this? You're right. All right. Tell me some more about your history here. So, so you obviously grew up Peter's preacher's kid you Mm -hmm. um were raised in the church yeah i was raised in a two-parent middle-class home um out of toronto right out of toronto canada and you know my parents didn't know any better and just encouraged me and my siblings to play it safe right um you know oftentimes you know your parents don't always know what's best for you um and they will they will encourage you to make decisions that's rooted in fear and, mm. and doubt. Um, and so that's like the foundation that I come from, but I've always been a rebellious kid and I've always colored outside the lines. And uh, um, it wasn't until my depression, I've lived with depression for over half my life. It wasn't until my depression got to the point of trying to commit suicide on two occasions wow. that I, at that point I was like, okay, like I'm actually not listening to anybody who feels like they want to put, they want to, um, put their labels or limitations on me. Like I'm going to listen to my heart and I'm going to do what I, what I feel is right. And I'll, I'll worry about the consequences later because I was listening to so many people and it really was like confusing the hell out of me. And so at, at one point I was like, like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, you know, when you're little, you're taught that you can be anything and everything you want to be. And then you grow up and everyone's like, nah, bro, like you need to be a little bit more realistic. And like, that was so hard on my psyche. Mm. And so in my second year of college, I tried to commit suicide twice. And, but when God spared my life, I was like, you know what, this is my life. My dreams are worth it. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that, um, this does not happen again. It doesn't get this bad. That's what, that's probably what everybody feels once they watch your actual content. Like, because you can tell that you're up to something more. I mean, you know, um, it's really, it really takes a lot of power to kind of share that with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially depression as a whole is such a big, such a hot topic right now with everything that's yeah. going on. Um, it's, it's needed. So do you get a lot of people reaching out to you? Like, Hey, well, everyone's depressed. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, everyone's like struggling with something. I always say that, you know, behind closed doors, we all fight our own private battles and demons and voices inside our head. And because of social media, like it's so easy to cover that up and make it seem like everything's cool. How I really like being perfect is not cool. And I don't want to be friends with those types of people. Right. Like Mm. I think that the, the most strongest people that I know are not afraid to show their scars. And so for me, <coughs> I grew up in a household where because we, you know, my 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 extended family and my immediate family, like, you know, image is really, you know, a big thing for us. And I'm like the first person out of like a zillion of us to really be vulnerable and open with my own story. And at first everyone was like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like you're making us all look bad. And they, wow. I feel like, you know, people look at depression and think that, like, your life has to be over. I live with depression, but I live a very full life. I co- I'm coming from a healed place. Of course, I have my days, but, like, you can still be, you can still, like, be content and be feel fulfilled even though you have your off days. I think it's just, like, it's a constant battle that you just got to keep fighting to win. And you're making moves while you're while you're still dealing with this, which mm-hmm. is which is really impressive. You got to give yourselves reasons to live. For mm-hmm. me, you know what I mean. For me, like that's super important. I created a life 
that I don't want to escape from. And that's really important because before when I was in a dark place, I didn't really have anything. I was in college, right? You don't really have anything to live for. You're kind of just like, when I graduate, like what's going to happen? You're asking yourself all these questions, but now I've created a life so full that like, I'm very happy and very content. And like, if I'm depressed or if I'm triggered, it's because of things I can't control, whether it's like family health reasons or, you know, things of that nature. But I no longer allow people to penetrate me with their negative thoughts, like, that just doesn't roll with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, I think, yo, I'm impressed. I mean, like, straight up. I mean, because it's one of those things where I think that uh, we need more voices like that, you know, because people live with it, but they don't talk about it. They go in the shadows or they go yeah. off in their own zone. And It's good to talk about yeah. it. Like, raising my hand and talking about my mental health has been the best decision I could ever make. Um I think that, especially in the black community, like, it's just... Can you we know, talk about that? Like, just like, yeah. like, I love therapy. I love, you know, my medication, like, helps, you know, level me out. Like, if if I had a broken leg, you would not tell me not to put a cast on it. Right. So I don't think it's fair for some individuals to say, just pray it away, which is often what you hear. Um, I remember I was going to a church and I was, you know, about going to speak there. And the pastor asked the congregation, you know, when you think of mental illness, what are some things that come to your mind? And they didn't know I was in the audience. And they're like, oh, that person is possessed by the devil. Wow. And they're like just seeing all these um, like ignorant comments. And I just I couldn't believe in 2017 at the time, like I couldn't believe like this was the mentality of what was supposed to be a safe space. Mm-hmm. So I definitely had to school some people and let them know what's up because that you spoke was, up. Yeah, it was like not cool. So I use yeah. my platform as an education, as an educational, um, you know, foundation. So people who no longer have any excuse to be ignorant. I mean, you know, to me, to me, naturally, it would seem like okay, um, if you're dealing with a lot of things in life, let's slow down. Let's, you know, what I mean, let's find more space. Let's go ahead and get hired with the company, get my, you know, 40 hours in the week and just, you know, you know, long mm-hmm. walks, <laughs> you, know, so, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll show up at my favorite spot every, every Sunday or Saturday, whatever. Um, but you, you're out, you know, bouncing around globetrotting and you're mm-hmm. building businesses in the process. Mm-hmm. So well, I want, I want better for my family. Mm-hmm. I want better. My parents are going to retire soon. I also want to create a great life for myself and my future. I'm going to be someone's future wife. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I got to set myself up for that. Like, I got to be ready, you know? You don't want to take anybody, huh? <laughs> right? So, like, I feel like, you know, there's preparation involved for, like, the blessings that God has in store for us. I don't want to get preachy, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, you have to, you know, you have to prepare. And so, like, whatever is waiting for me, like, I just want to be ready at all times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like yeah. it. All right. So, once it comes to kind of building your business, Tell me what. Tell me what some of the, what some of the places that you start off at. I mean, because you obviously started writing. I mean, that's from first place is mentorship. Mentorship is where you started. No, like, and this is like one of the biggest like passions and purposes of my life is to spread the conversation around the importance of mentorship and sponsorship, hmm. which women lack. Um, mentorship is you know you have a casual relationship with someone they invest in you by way of giving you advice and they guide your steps. A sponsor puts their name and the reputation on the line for you in order to advance your career. So they're going to send an introduction email. They are going to, um, they're going to invite you to a room that you probably would have never gotten invite to, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to bridge that gap for you. And so, because when I dropped out of school my second year, 
uh, I mean, there's no degree to fall back on. So my mentors technically had to be my education. They had to be everything for me um, to lay that foundation. And that's how I really got a good jumpstart in my writing career, which led to everything else. So were your mentors like also writers as well? No. Your mentors don't have to come from your same industry. They don't have to look like you. Like I have five female women of color mentors and then Mm -hmm. I have one white male mentor. And that's very important to me to have him in my life because the world of business is built for white men. And I want to see the world through his lens and he's going to tell me all the ish because I want to be ready to battle. Right. So that's very strategic on my part. Smart move. I mean, I mean, honestly, you know, a lot of times our perspective kind of gets us clouded, right? And if we if we stay with a certain group of people, then we're like, oh, this is what everybody thinks. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, your mentors don't have to look like you. They don't have to come from your industry. There's also reverse mentorship. There's a lot of, my father has a millennial mentor. My father's 59. He, and lat. Uh, in November, he quit his job to start his own business, and it was because of a millennial that has been mentoring him. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's how you get out the gate then, was like mentorship. Yeah. And you were taking on people that were your age or older, or how that look is exactly? Yeah, so mentor, okay, so my writing career started in 2010. My mentor encouraged me to start a blog as a way of therapy and just kind of getting my, my thoughts out. Mm-hmm. Unbeknown to me, she had been watching me very, very closely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a year later, she called me and she said, I have an opportunity for you that I think you're ready for because she had been watching my work ethic. And that's the thing, right? You have to work hard behind the scenes, even when no one likes or comments or shares, when no one acknowledges, you know, even if you get two views on a shit blog, like mm-hmm, you have mm-hmm. to be willing to like do the work. And so I was doing it. And so then she rewarded me with an opportunity that then led to me becoming a nationally published journalist by the age of 22. And I was published in every major newspaper across the country for a few years after that. Super dope. Because of one phone call she made. I mean, so like how long were you just having your head down, you know what I mean? Just focused on writing every day without anybody really kind of Checking in on your blogs, why not? The year. Like, I mean, nobody was really checking for my blog, maybe some friends and family, but it wasn't anything major. Um, But I was doing the work because I loved it and I was passionate about it. And I knew that I was going to be where I am today. So, like, and I also believed in the process and the issue, the problem that I had with people is like their expectation exceeds their effort and they want promotion without the process. And like, that's annoying. You know what I mean? Like, you have to be willing to do the work. Like, I started. In 2010 with a shit blog and yeah. nobody looked at it's 2018 yeah. and now i'm like celebrity ghostwriter i'm author of two books i'm contributing to forbes like that's that's a long time this eight years of right. doing the work with not with not always getting like the acknowledgement or the recognition but i did it because it was fulfilling and it was like saving my life essentially Wow. Wow. I'm at, well, I mean, I mean, nobody's willing to wait eight years. People don't even want to wait eight minutes. No, nah, cats don't want right? to. Yeah, cats definitely don't want to wait <laughs> eight minutes. It's short. Nobody, <laughs> nope. yeah, but everyone true. wants immediate, yeah. like immediate results, and like they're not willing to put in the work or put in the time to like study and perfect their craft, you know, and mm-hmm. really, really get good at it. People ask me all the time, like, oh, my gosh, like, I would love to, like, write for Forbes or, like, another publication on that level. Yep. But I'm just like, what work have you been doing? You know what I mean? Like, don't just go for the larger platforms. Don't forget to also, like, don't diss the smaller platforms, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you need to establish yourself on a local level before you think international or global. Nobody wants to win the fight in their backyard. I mean, like. You- Everyone wants to be Diddy, but no one wants to be Puff. <laughs> Yo, Puff, Puff was a hate too, though. <laughs> but that was the, yeah, that yeah. was the grind time. Very talk, you know talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, let's be Puff. Hey, talking about uh, artists, though. Mm-hmm. 
Who's your favorite artist right now besides Drake? Because, I mean, obviously you're in Toronto. Drake's part of your person. Tory Lanez. I actually grew up with him. Yeah? And uh, him and my, like, I went to school with his uh, with his sister, and he always used to come over and play with my sister when he was younger. Okay. Um, I love SZA. Um, who else am I listening to right now? I think SZA's actually, like, and Cardi. Like, I love Cardi. I love Cardi's success story. That's really what I like about her. I like people that have depth. I love people that come from somewhere. Um... And I really respect, like, how she went from A to Z. Like, I really love a good success story. You know what's so funny these days? I feel like people are almost even more so than ever before. I think people always did this, but they're buying into the people more than the actual products. Like, so... 100%. Yeah, 100%. And that's yeah. why I've been able to pull in six figures from my businesses because I spent a lot of time building the relationship with my audience and storytelling and getting them to fall in love with me. And when you get someone to fall in love with you, you establish brand loyalty. When you have brand loyalty, anything that you say or sell, people will honor because they trust you. And right. like people, I feel like people don't want to establish that trust. If someone's going to spend money on you. You better believe that you need to seduce them. It's, it's like a relationship, right? You got to seduce someone before you date them. You can't just like promote something and expect people to spend money on you. Like that's just not, right, do right. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> People are stupid. Business is business seduction. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, hey, I'm in sales full time, so I mean, I, I'm I'm really big into that process. I mean, I'm yo. I could sell you. Come on, let's sorry. go, man. Let's no, let's no, 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 let's do this. Yeah, I love. I, I pitch to CEO because like yeah. my, for my ghostwriting company, my communications Hell yeah, let's agency, talk about this sales shit. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I have to obviously pitch. I have to help. I have to help CEOs, celebrities, pro athletes recognize that there's a gap in their brand mm -hmm. and I can fill that through content. So we ghostwrite books, keynote speeches, uh, personal essays and op-eds, um, content strategies. So like oftentimes I'm stepping to someone and telling them, your brand sucks in this area and this is how I can help you. You're reaching so out. I have to, so I have to, I essentially have to sell myself, right? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I, all day. I mean, so a lot of times people, you know what's so funny is people um, believe that how they grow their businesses purely through putting out, putting out content. Yes, that does That's work. That's one part of it, but that, the other part is raising your hand. 100%. And asking the question and bringing it to their attention because sometimes they don't know. Like what I've found in my industry is that everyone now wants to be a Colin Kaepernick. Like they want to stand for something. They want to be an authority figure. Right. And you can only do that through content, but a lot of these um, high-profile people don't know how to curate that content. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, in a lot of cases, I'm like a secret weapon. And so you're coming in like, hey, you know, mm -hmm. I got something for you. I got yeah. I got a straight silver bullet. And you're reaching out on DMs? Are you are you making phone calls? Are you Um I'm sending pitch emails and then I'm showing up at their office. Wow. So Cold like, emails then show up unannounced? Um, in some cases. I've so I I've crashed like I crashed a party of a CEO mm -hmm. uh, last year. Um, he was a founder of a tech company and I showed up. I heard that he was having a party at his office and I showed up and I was able to get five minutes with him and that five minutes was game changing. Um, sometimes it just happens organically. I was in the lobby of an office uh, last year and I tell everybody, make sure you have your elevator pitch together because sometimes you only have less than a minute. You stay ready. I turned around and he introduced himself and he was like, what do you do? I had my pitch ready and he was like, I need someone like you on my team. And now he's one of my highest paying clients. Wow. And like in that, in the, there's no resume, no nothing. It was just my energy and my confidence that yeah. locked that deal. So can we, can we just role play this out a little bit? 
I mean, oh because, my god! I mean, I mean, look, look, look. <laughs> you, you always stay ready. I can tell that you you have this sales thing down, right? Let's just say. Um, me and Keith, right? Me and Keith are <laughs> me and Keith are in business here. We're like, yo, we're gonna blow up the whole podcast and networking scene. You know, um, Keith's a, a celebrity basketball player. Oh my god! You know what I mean? <laughs> He's about six ten. I'm his agent, right? But right. we're in the podcasting. We're like, yo, I want to try to put something together. How would the pitch sound whenever you're talking to CEOs? If you're like, you know, like you well, guys. First of all, yeah. it has to be a conversation, right? Okay. Like, I never go in straight with the pitch. Mm-hmm. I have to get you comfortable. Again, it's a relationship. The right? seduction. If before I ask you on a date, I'm going to seduce you. Before mm-hmm. I marry you, I'm going to date you. Mm-hmm. It's levels to this, right? right? So I'm gonna we're gonna have a conversation, and I'm gonna build trust. By showing you first what I've done for other people, right? Show you some case studies. Give some social proof. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. right? Because I've, I can just say anything, right? And some people just believe me because the energy exchange is there. But some people they want to see they want to see something, right? So that's the first place I would start. And the next step is like I would take an assessment prior to meeting with you. I would take an assessment and do a brand audit, and then I would do a whole three hundred and sixty and show you like how content can better engage your audience, how we can develop products. Like I'd give you a full strategy and it wouldn't even be like a PowerPoint deck or anything. Mm-hmm. I just like roll it off the cuff. Like mm-hmm. natural conversation. And then also too, I think what's really important if you're an individual who's trying to sell consulting services or whatever, like people need to see that you're doing it in your own brand. And I think that's like, People need to see that you're investing in yourself and then they'll they'll want to invest in you. So because I do a lot of really dope content on multiple platforms, like it's an easy sell because like I do it for myself and you can see the engagement, you can see what I've been up to, you can see, you know, you see the opportunities. Yep. So that makes it a lot easier too when I like bring something to the table. Dude, you're like a real salesperson out here, you know what I'm saying? Like Non-stop? I like money. <laughs> hey, I don't just do it for the money, though. Of course However, not. Yeah. money affords you the opportunity to help your family. Yep. To I have, you know, I have a scholarship that I run through New Girl on the Block every year. Wow. Um, like you know what I mean? Like gives you it opens up the gateway. So if I can negotiate these deals and get these coins, then everybody wins. Hey, hey, look, I'm a firm believer. I mean. I, it was one of those things that I had to kind of come to terms with because I was trying to be fancy about what I was really up to. I was like, oh, you know what? I don't want to be known as a salesperson, but at the end of the day, I want to close some biz so I can do my thing, right? I mean, like, that's what I'm up to. Yeah. And and as long as my thing is good, mm-hmm. I'm all good with that, right? And so, all right, let's 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 kind of talk about a little bit more than so as far as once you come up to ghostwriting, I'm sure you've learned mm-hmm. and, you've, and are, are gleamed so much from the people that you've worked with. Can you talk about some of those stories or maybe some things that you've kind of learned along the way or you've gotten from well, people? Well, like, I think the biggest I bid, the biggest shocker, so mm. people know the term ghostwriting from the music industry, but yeah. they don't necessarily know it from, like, the, it business, sounds cool too, though, the like, business side. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so a lot, like, I don't get credit for most of the things, most of the projects that I work on. Um, and I'm totally fine with that. For me, it's so, like, I love helping the individual just, like, establish themselves in this playing field. Um, through helping them find their voice because there's like with the political climate that you guys have going on over here and like everything that's happening like people you're here too though I mean you know what I'm well, saying yeah, I mean, the- you know what I mean because <laughs> if things start getting too sticky cats go north I mean, yeah. <laughs> we're definitely going to trade like Toronto. there's just so much conversation and yeah. it looks very bad yeah. if CEOs and celebrity figures are not engaged in and involved in that conversation but oftentimes they don't know when where to insert themselves or how to do it without 
um, hurting their brand. Hmm. So that's where we would come in. Okay. All right. So, so you're, um, from like ghostwriting standpoint, mm-hmm. how's that business model look for you? Is it, is it a royalty type of thing or you get paid off of what? I mean, if you don't mind going into a little bit of no, detail. No, it's fine. Yeah. Um, it depends. So I have, uh, I have deals with publishing houses. Okay. So in that case, it may be like something up front and then royalties. Gotcha. But if it's a deal that I negotiate myself, um, I usually like to take more upfront um, in case whatever yeah. whatever happens because mm-hmm. I can't be dependent upon whether or not they have a good marketing strategy right like I don't know what you have going on that's your team's issue so I'd rather take more upfront um, and then like we get I think our most popular service is like keynote speeches right uh, yeah yeah so because that's super easy right half an hour an hour uh-huh. um, and helping people like because a keynote speech can like change the game or like if they have a TED talk or whatever um, they would call us and we would help them articulate that oh so you help write people's speeches for them as well yeah ghostwriter oh man you do it all you do it all <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm learning I'm or like learning. let's say like the new york times or like a big publication like tap someone on the shoulder to write a personal essay on an issue like mm-hmm. that would essentially be me like oh. I'll, i'd write it for them so i'd pick i'd pick their brain we'd sit down figure out the points and then i would write it for them and their name would be put on it are you also doing some um Public speaking yourself? You yeah, are Yeah, yeah. I've been speaking for about six years. So yeah. I'm a big advocate on anti-bullying and mental health. Talk about this um, anti-bullying movement. Yeah, well, yeah. I was bullied severely and tormented in elementary school and high school. I once had a kid, so I was sitting in the cafeteria, chilling, doing my homework, and I had a kid walk up to me, and he told me that um, there was an extra Mountain Dew bottle that came out of the vending machine and then I long story short I lady I later found out that he urinated in this bottle wow. and I was like one of three kids that the cool guys are trying to see like who would drink it wow. um like I'm not stupid so like I obviously declined because this guy never talks to me so something was obviously fishy but like things like pranks like that happens to me all the time so I'd spend a lot of time by myself eating lunch and like the cafeteria, the library or the girls washroom just trying to be like just trying to get away from the drama that really followed me everywhere. You know what? Um, so do you find yourself to have a healthy chip on your shoulder a little bit when it comes to growing your business? Yes, because honestly, a lot of the cool kids that I went to school with aren't doing anything with their lives. Yeah. And a lot of them have kind of swung back around and either apologized or asked me for help or advice. How so does that feel once you get that apology? It feels, I mean, I, I healed from it a while ago, mm-hmm. but um, it's funny, like when you, when you're popping, like people want to be around that. They feel like you have this je ne sais quoi. You have this energy around you, and they want some of that to rub off on you on them. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm honestly, I kill people with kindness. I don't hate anybody. Yeah. I'm actually very, very, very happy those things happen to me because I I wouldn't have like the tough skin that I have today. Um, because you need that when dealing with clients and whatever, whatever. Like you need to have that resilience. Um, and and that was learned through those like unhealthy relationships so once you're like in these business deals now i mean like do you take notes pretty easy or are they like something that you can kind of no, roll right like, off your so struggle? i'm i am grounded in patience like um i just signed on a new client uh and she's head of a pr marketing firm and i'm helping this individual with um her own personal brand the ceo and um, i've been courting her for a year and three months Jeez. like you know what i mean you like played a long game Hundred percent, hundred percent, and like every you are not in the club, like just waiting by the bar, waiting for someone. No, like every single time, (laughs) every single time I've connected with someone um, who it may took may have taken a little bit longer. Like Mm -hmm. they're always like, you are like the most annoying, but the most persistent person I've ever met in my life. You know, so I have you know again, like it's almost like a guy chasing a girl, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
you guys don't quit. You guys don't take no for an answer. Like it's you guys like it's the same like mentality. Like when someone tells me no, I'm, it's not really no. I don't right, see right. it as a no. It's like it's oh, not now. It's a, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'll come around the block in two two weeks. And exactly. Oh we'll my see. god. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's it's and the thing is, like I've learned, there's always money in the follow up. Yeah. Like you never let a lead go cold unless someone's like f you. Do not contact me. Right. You know. But like. Until someone said, does that, which they never do, um, I continue. I've gotten a couple of FUs, yo. Okay, I mean, well. And, <laughs> but, but, you know, that's over like 10 years. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and it's really just a couple. And I was I was being a little bit extra. But still, mm-hmm. it's fine. I mean, and then you live and you wake up tomorrow morning and life goes on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to an office. So from here, I'm going to New York. And What's going on? Up there, up in New York. Well, I do a lot of business up there. Okay. Um, so I'm going to an, a specific office. You'll see it on my IG stories. Yeah. Um, and I've been courting someone for a while, and we're like so close. I'm going in for that last like going in for the kill. Ugh, like it's exhausting. Yeah. Ugh, it's exhausting. I mean, but this is like this is like your whole baby too. I mean, this is this is you putting your, yeah. your like your whole energy and effort is, into it. The thing is, like, because of the caliber of client that I go after, they're also very busy, so mm-hmm. it takes a little bit longer too. So even if they say yes, it's like I still gotta. There's still like this process of figuring out how are we gonna do this when you're like always on a plane you know yeah that's that's mad that's mad interesting so you know mm-hmm. are you still doing the whole mentorship heavy now like yeah are- new girl on the block is still pumping so okay. i've mentored uh about 200 girls in nine countries over the wow. last like three years um i would say 80 percent of the girls that i mentor they are launching a business or trying to improve an existing one and then you have that 20 percent who are dealing with um uh, physical abusive relationships, whether it's romantic or in their family, they're dealing with mental health situations. They're dealing with, um, you know, I once had a girl call me from hot- from her hotel and tell me she's going to commit suicide. Wow, I've had to do hospital visits. Mentorship is like, if like I don't want people to think mentorship is just like this cute little like relationship. That's like, like no, like. The role of a mentor is very, I take it very seriously. It's not just about helping people build brands because if you don't have a good foundation and if you don't know yourself and there's no self-awareness there, your brand is going to flop, right? So personal development is a very big and important aspect of the relationships with my girls. You're in the trenches with these people. Well, there are a lot, like millennials are going through a lot of deep shit, like Mm -hmm. a lot. And so sometimes it's way over my head. Sometimes I have to pull in a psychologist or a medical professional because some things I just like should not handle just from a liability standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you build such a trusting relationship, they want to pour into you and they want to share things with you. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable and you have to like hold each other's hand and walk through that process. You know, it's crazy. People always hate on um, on us, I should say. I mean, because people say that we're not like, we don't really work hard. I'm at the higher end of that whole age bracket. I'm 34. Mm-hmm. So I kind of snuck in that whole, you know, yeah. a millennial movement. But but still, people say, oh, they aren't hard workers. They're all lost online. You know, and everything with social media is clouding everybody. But it's like, it's it's that stuff happens in every generation. 100%. And you know what I mean? I mean, it's nothing new. It's just we've got different tools, different avenues. But I think things are hyper. I think that... Yeah, we're we're innovators and we're disruptors and that makes people uncomfortable. So I think they're always gonna have something to say. But as long as you have results, like that's your street cred and no one can argue right. that. Yeah. And that's the thing, like I spend a lot of time like making an impact, making sure my platform serves a purpose and building my resume. Nobody can argue me or like or break me because like I 
like everything's on the table. Like you can't you can't knock everything that I've done. You sound super solid, man. I mean, like I'm not. I don't know what I'm doing. At all. <laughs> <laughs> everything's a risk, right? Like yeah. everything's you're jumping in the deep end every single time, right? Sometimes I go into meetings and I just like say a prayer. I don't know what I'm gonna say. I don't know. You just honestly, like I always say, like. Um, you take that step, you take that leap of faith, and you just trust that God will put out a safety net to catch you. Because honestly, sometimes you just don't know what's around the corner. And But that's also the most exciting part about life, is yeah. that you don't know what's around the corner. You can look at it really like, oh my God, like depressing, or that uncertainty, like every single day, I don't know what call or text or email is going to change my life. So like I, I look forward to that. You know you know what's so funny, though? Um because you could you could you could dream up whatever you want to mm-hmm. to be right around that corner, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and some people are, are are so scared of that of turning that corner or bending that corner right. that they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. How do you get those people moving? Do you, do you have any strategies for that, or you don't? For, so for me, what keep what gets me moving is like my why. Mm-hmm. And again, this goes to self awareness. When you know yourself and you have like. You can see your life wholeheartedly. Like, I have very strong reasons why I do what I do. I have younger si- uh, siblings that look up to me. How old? I have How old aging. Uh, my brother is 28. My sister's 26. Okay. I have aging parents, and I worry about their retirement. Um, you know, I'm a survivor of a suicide attempt. I don't want to go back to that dark place. You know, like, there's, I have good reasons why I need to get my ass up out of bed. Like, mm-hmm. so when I talk to people, and they're just like, I just, I just don't know. Like, it's like, there must be something in your life that can like that can provide that light for you to take that next step. Like, but you haven't had those tough conversations with yourself, and that's why you're stuck. Do you have any type of tools that you use to kind of help get you know help get yourself through any you know days that people, are tough? I think chilling by yourself is very important. I think hmm. people fill their time and their space with too much bullshit. Like yeah. whether it's social media or friends. Like I, I think because I was a loner in school, it also allowed me to think and it also allowed me to have like tough conversations with myself. And even now, like I travel alone. Like you know, I thought yo we had a <laughs> we had an issue earlier, but like I travel alone and for the most part, like I can handle myself. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you but, did roll up strong. I was like, okay, she's coming, you know. But like, I have good. conversations with myself and I, I do a lot of like self work and that's where therapy comes in. My mentors come in. Like, that's what self care looks like to me, right? So I just don't think people do enough personal development to lay that foundation that's necessary in order to like build something. That's so dope, man. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you showed up, like, coming, out, coming from the East Coast all the way out to the West Coast. I mean, I'm assuming you got some business out here as well that you're going to be getting Yeah, yeah, I have meetings tomorrow. Okay, cool. And, 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 but, you're, but you're going at it by, you know, on your mm-hmm. own. Mm-hmm. So, I have a great team, though. It's really not just me. I have a really, really, really... I work with 22 freelancers Oh wow! that work with me on different capac- in different capacities. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. What's next? What are you up to next? Um, main, just maintaining, uh, to be honest. Um, I just recently wrote a book, and we are... We're going to turn that into curriculums for different universities that are interested. What's the book writing process like? I mean, I mean is it something where you put your head down, you go off to a cabin? Mm, you yeah, know? I mean, it can look different for everybody. For me, because I'm like a natural born writer, it's uh, it's more like strenuous, like mentally. Mm-hmm. Like, but um, it's it's a great process. I feel like, you know, I've lived a great life. I have a lot to share, and so it, like when when you're not bullshitting, it's it's easy, you mm-hmm. know. So. 
But you got to be keeping it real with yourself, though, because I could imagine if, if I was, if you weren't having those honest conversations with yourself, I'm sure it would just spew on the pages as well. Mm-hmm. And it would sound like, yeah, whatever. So this book particular, so my first book was a work of fiction. It's called Everything I Couldn't Tell My Mother. Mm-hmm. And it's just as juicy as it sounds. It's like my sex lies and secrets, my skeletons. And that was more so coming from, I knew that I had to let go of my emotional burdens in order to be successful. And I, because me and my mother had a lot of patchwork to do, I had to write that book because she had never, she did not know that, you know, I got pregnant when I was 16 and had an abortion. She did not know I was in a physically abusive relationship where my boyfriend used to like choke me out all the time. She did not know that like, oh, there's a lot of things that she didn't know that I'm like, if I continue to like hold this in, like I'm never going to get my blessings because like you create roadblocks for yourself. You sabotage yourself. And so I wrote this book as a way of meeting her halfway so we can like figure out what our relationship looks like and like get better and grow from it. So you kind of laid it all out in the book. Yes. And it was, everything was like fiction though, right? So, so it's a fiction book based on Chile's story. story, but my, yeah. because my brand is very transparent, like everyone knows it's me. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like I'm not like hiding anything. Yeah. Just from a business standpoint at the time, fiction was very popular. And my yeah. agent has said like, we should make this a fiction because I wasn't like a household name. So like, no one wants to read about me. They want to read about the character, you know? Sure, sure, sure. Now, man, that's, I mean, so how to work out with, like, you and your mom? Were oh, you me and my mom are kinda... best friends now. Wow. Like, we're very, very... And it, but it took 28 years. You know what I mean? It took a long time. But we're... I love her so much. And she's a very, very big part of my life. And now we can... Like, she's she's awesome. That's a, that's a major win right there. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that you were kind of going things... I mean, going through things with your parents. Because a lot of people deal with that. Mm-hmm. They just don't ever deal Tell with it. Yeah. No, like I, no, I need to be open and honest with everybody and everything. And my parents had a very hard time with that because they're like, but why you? Like, why do you have to tell all your business? But I'm like... Because I just know that this is what I need to do in order to get to the next level. Like, I just... Because I didn't want to hide under a mask. Like, that's a lot. That's very... um. Uh, tiring to yeah. hide all the time and to make up lies and just to like no nah, like everybody knows everything I got pregnant like I was not smart about it my boyfriend at, and you know at the time got me and two other girls pregnant like wow. it was messy like I made mistakes and I think that's also why people want me to mentor them because they're just like okay like I can totally relate to you you effed up too you yeah know? you you would much rather have that conversation with you over someone who's acting like they never done anything before right. yeah one hundred percent so. I got this question because we're almost about to wrap up. I want, to mm-hmm. tell, I want you to tell everybody how to find you and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, I live by this 3G motto. It's called growth, grit, and give. And so if you had to put those Gs in like order, how would you do it and why? It's growth, grit, and give. Mm, give. Grit, growth. I think. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. Elaborate a little bit if you so want. So my dad is like a community activist. Yeah. He's very like, oh my gosh. My dad, he, I almost feel like his kindness might lead to his end. Like he's so. He gives so much. Our doors always open. And like, I remember there are like some gentlemen in high school who had to, my mom would kill me if, I, if she knew this. There are gentlemen, some, some of my guys in high school, they went to jail and they had to post bail. Guess where my dad was? My dad was like, my dad was like that guy, that father in our high school that was like, everyone would just show up at our house and they'd know that like, oh, the pastor lives there. Like we can get advice or we can get help or whatever. So like when I say give, it's like for me, I think of my dad and I think of how kind hearted he is. And that reminds me like not to be a bitch and to like <laughs> open my heart. And even, I mean, cause you don't always feel like giving, like sometimes you want to be selfish, but like he reminds me that like 
you like you just you have it's you know what I mean it's not optional you just right. you need to um, Give it and first. Then, yeah and then even today in church they're talking about the same thing like making sacrifices and I've definitely made a lot of sacrifices in my girls and my mentorship program on my world and I do anything for them so that's important to me and then I said grit um, because I think through grit you experience growth um, when you jump on planes for meetings when you work pull all-nighters or when you like you know what i mean like when you hustle like you learn a lot about yourself so i think that goes hand in hand mm-hmm. i like it i like it you know what man I've, I've had a blast doing this and you know i think this is great the fact that you've opened up and you've shared so much and um i love that you're just doing this for the whole community because i think people try to fake it especially once they have a business mm-hmm. and we try to act like we're on to something that hasn't happened yet right and, right. and that's not gonna happen for four to five years yeah so you'll probably quit at year two <laughs> you know what i mean and people need to know that this is the real process no, i think results are important like yeah. Showing like, and that's why I'm very transparent. Like, I talk a lot of like within my brand. Like, I've done on my blog, I've done income reports. Like, my audience knows how much I've made for my business. They know how much debt I'm in. I'm super transparent because yeah. it's so easy to just be like, I run a six figure business, but like, I actually took a screenshot of what my accountant sent me, the numbers, and I put it on my Instagram. It's like, no, like I actually run a six figure business. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, because yeah, because you'll be found out if you're lying. People will find you out. Oh, it's you only a matter of time so these like, days. Yeah, I, I don't want to. That's cool. Well, you got to tell everybody how to find you and, you know, Instagram handles, websites. Sure. Yeah. My name is very unique. It's Pollyanna Reed, R-E-I-D. So, like, I'm pretty much everywhere. If you Google me, I'm, like, the only person, like, in the first 20 pages. So, you can find me anywhere. I mean, it's just that easy. Mm-hmm. Man, so next time you're back in L.A., you got to come back out so we can do this again. I look sure. forward to following your story, reading your books, because you got some you got some gifts for us. I mean, yeah, were you just yeah, playing yeah. around? No, oh, that no, was I a real actually, thing. Because I you always got, carry you, books you, with me because I don't you got know me who I'm going to meet. <laughs> yeah, no, I always carry books with me. Dude, I really appreciate this. Until next time.